Hi guys. Welcome again to another episode of What Had Happened Was. I'm Maggie. And I'm Nico. For those of you tuning in for the first time, our podcast is all about catching up on small life anecdotes that often lead to larger points of social discussion. And we definitely have a big one today. Yeah, I, from what I've heard, you want to tell me what's up, Nico? Yeah, so what had happened was, recently I saw the movie Get Out. Mm-hmm. And... A bunch of good reviews had been coming out about it, and I just kind of waited to see it because I thought it was all all hype for nothing. But I saw it with my friend, and it is pro- it was probably the most relatable movie in the longest time. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I had so much... Well, one, it was a good horror movie, and two, it's just like... I, I felt like I was in the movie at that point. Like, parts of those, every single point in there was something I had gone through or something similar... And it got, you know, it got me thinking why people identified so much with this movie because there were huge talks, you know, articles left and right, people raving about the movie because of that same reason. They identified with it or they felt like it was more real and it gave, you know, a voice to certain social issues that some people ignored. And like, what does this say about, about our society right now if it's this big of a talking point today. Yeah. So when I went to go see Get Out, I went on a Tuesday, right? So mm-hmm. I live in a predominantly black neighborhood in South Side, Chicago. And when you combine the trifecta of $5 movie Tuesdays with a movie that is 99% fresh, like still 99% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's also a movie where people in the neighborhood can like really relate to the characters they see on the screen. Like you best believe the whole neighborhood is gonna be at the movies on, I don't know, the second Tuesday that the movie came out. When I went to the movie, like what I saw was that audience participation was on point like the commentary was the best and it, it was unlike any other experience i had people i can only sh- imagine yeah people were shouting um the reactions were so completely genuine um genuine to the point where if you were not part of that group because like the audience i watched was like mostly black like I, i'm pretty sure i was the only person who was not black at the audience <laughs> um like you would you would be like kind of I don't know, you you would be kind of taken aback by it. Like, some of the things they said were like, oh, my gosh, like, they got us acting like monkeys. Um, like, halfway... Damn. The, yeah, halfway through the movie, uh, I forget her name, the, the maid who turns out to be the grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, the spoiler for... Sorry, if you guys haven't seen Get Out, but I guess we're going to spoil the entire movie today. But the maid slash grandmother, uh, she goes and she's constantly looking at herself in the mirror and, like, touching her hair and just acting a little bit weird. The person sitting next to me said that, and I was like, whoa, that, that's, mm, <laughs> that's kind of offensive. But that was like her general reaction to the movie. That is exactly what she thought. And there's this other scene where um, in the very beginning, they get stopped by the police, right? Yeah, early on in the movie. Yeah, very early on. And so the girlfriend, she defends her boyfriend, and they get back in the car, and then they you know they drive away and she tells them like oh okay no one fucks with my man and somebody else in the audience was like uh you say that now but what about you know your your family meets him and everyone else in the audience was like oh wait they called it yeah they that called early it. yeah they called it not 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 that something bad was gonna happen but 
they had a feeling that something was about to happen just because it was like, okay, you say that now, but we're just going to assume that something negative is going to happen because we've been through situations like this before. You may say something right now that's one way, but when it's a different situation, you're going to react differently to it. I don't know. That seems very basic, but I I guess that's what they meant by it. I mean, I feel like that is the, uh, the uh, gist of that entire, you know, topic. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, my my theater-going experience while seeing that was not the exact same because I, I don't know what, you know, what percentage I was of, you know, the entire minority population. But or it seems like they identified it with it, with it way more than I did mm-hmm. because I didn't call that stuff or anything and I was less vocal. But in my head and even to my friend who I went to go see the movie with, who he happens to be white, and he understands, you know, what I say is not meant to be offensive but like i would turn to him every single time something suspenseful would happen and just like instinctively you know whisper like like crazy white people or like damn white people because it's just it's just like instinctively one of those things where i see it so often and mostly it's from white people i have the same reactions towards me or anything and i remember like the first scene the guy is walking through the neighborhood it's like oh yeah upper, yeah upper class white neighborhood and you know he's looking over his shoulders why i have no idea there's no reason for him to be looking over his shoulders to feel scared in that nice of a neighborhood but he does and i know i felt the same way in some circumstances like having anyone see me in a neighborhood like that after dark Mm -hmm. they're gonna start thinking stuff like i have friends who live in like better neighborhoods and everything Mm -hmm. like upper class and whatnot and i'm sure they don't have to think twice about it yeah. And I'm, I've been picking up prom dates or, you know, going to friends' houses for sleepovers, things like that. And it's like, okay, instinctively, it's like, all right, who's around me? What's going on? I need to... I need to check myself. <laughs> exactly. I need to check myself. I need to see, all right, I can go this way, that way, that way. I have a phone on, like ready on deck. I can call someone just in case. I know how to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason why I should feel that way. Yeah. No, you shouldn't. But every single day, I feel that way. In case something is about to go down. Exactly. In case something happens. But like going to work, just walking down the street, going with friends to certain neighborhoods, like I have to think a little bit. Because seeing someone like me or any other minority is not technically normal, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I guess that's, I mean, it's a terrible way to say it, but it really isn't. Because most of them are like south ends of areas. That's always somehow the uh, the, uh, bad place is the south end. You know what? I, I lived in the south end of Seattle, and then I moved to the south end of Chicago. My oh, bad. Man. You're you're really moving on up, Maggie. I know, I know. It's a bigger city, though, so I True. can see that. Mm-hmm. True. And it's and it's funny because I or I have I've had these conversations with a couple of my friends and even my parents who just recently saw the movie, mm-hmm. and they also loved it. But I had to explain to some people, and I'm sure I still do if I ever have the conversation why it's such a big deal they're almost they're they really are oblivious to some of the things that we go through yeah and it's not like huge racial you know racial oppressions or things like that which are still a thing today mm-hmm. but they don't realize the overall like ingrained ways we have to act yeah these small uh, tiny yeah. details that we take for granted every day but yeah. when you watch this movie you realize like oh shoot that's something i do too if it's late at night and I'm in a neighborhood that I'm not supposed to be in, that quote unquote, I'm not supposed to be in, like I don't belong there. 
people are probably maybe watching you. Yeah, every yeah. single time. Yeah. I, I know I've been watched, you know, growing up, like, I think I went to a private school on the East Coast for boarding school, and I just go around. I think one time a security guard stopped me on campus mm -hmm. because, like, I, I got lost, couldn't find my way to class, and he stopped me as if, though, I didn't go there. Like, I had my ID around my neck. Yeah. Like, I was, like, 14, 15 or whatever, and I, like, I didn't want to lose it, so it was right there in front of me. Mm -hmm. And he stopped me asking, like, if I knew where I was going if I went there, and I'm like, yeah, of course. I have my and, ID right here, man. Yeah, I have my ID right there. And that's just like one instance. And that's like a well-respected school. Mm -hmm. But even like every day, like going into convenience stores, drug stores, things like that. If I'm like one of the only people there, they're definitely keeping an eye on me way more than they probably would if there was a white person there. Unfortunately, but, th but that's it. Yeah. I, I think in my specific experience, the, the fact that I'm a woman kind of overshadows the fact that I'm a person of color sometimes because another assumption is like, oh, you're a woman and you look like you're Asian, which is like a model minority, you're probably no threat. So I'm not going to pay attention to you. So sometimes like if I'm, if I'm being bad and I'm daydreaming about things I would do, like, oh, shoot, what if I just decided to, I don't know, like steal all this stuff right now? They wouldn't even notice because technically they would assume that I'm female and I'm like model minority Asian. I'm not going to do anything, but that's yeah. just me. <laughs> no, I mean, they, 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 they probably would do that exact thing. They wouldn't care. They wouldn't care. That's happened to me <sighs> like quite a few times. Really? I remember I was like in an upscale mall. Clearly, okay, you are one of the few people of color here, right? But, yep. you know, because I dress the way that I do and I'm a female, it's like, okay, you're not a threat. You're, you look differently, but I think we can trust you for now. We'll, we'll watch you, but we're not going to, like, ask, oh, do you need any help? Quote. Be over <laughs> your shoulder about it. I don't see. And I'm sure, like, that's what I've had to do now. I've had to, I guess, dress less threateningly, and I don't do it, like, consciously. Like, mm -hmm. we were just having this conversation not too long ago, Maggie. Like, <laughs> I wear pastels. I'm a bright person. I went to, like, a private school, liberal arts college on the East Coast, like, Somehow that that culture is ingrained in me. So I pass. I dress in pastels. I don't sag my pants. Things are well fitting. Things uh, like that. And I'm sure, well like, <laughs> yeah, I never used to do that. Mm -hmm. And like, aside from the baggy pants, which was more, my parents hated that for the same reason. It's just like that's associated with gang members and you know, mm -hmm. gang bangers, thugs, that whole thing. So they didn't want me to wear it. So my dad was always on my case about wearing a belt. And now I don't go anywhere without one. Mm -hmm. So thanks for that, dad. Looking but like that. aside, exactly. But aside from that, like um, being Mexican, you know, you go to flea markets and things like that as part of the culture. There's, there's these weird, offensive t-shirts that have like Spanish puns on them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're like really inappropriate. Sometimes they're not. Now I don't wear them. I think they're hilarious because I understand them, but I don't buy them. But anything that somehow signifies that I am of a different culture, I okay. usually don't wear. Anything that has Spanish on it, I usually don't wear. Certain colors, obviously I can't wear, but that's a whole different issue of it. Certain colors uh, you can't wear. What? I mean, yeah. I mean, if at least if you're like a minority guy and you're going into sketchier neighborhoods, just just like gang related stuff, if you're wearing certain things, I see. it's not necessarily the best idea. I see. I don't know if I've told you the story before, but like I've been jumped. Oh. Yeah. I think I, I wait, was 13 wait, years. Yeah, I was 13 years old. 
going through a neighborhood in Seattle called White Center, um, which for those who don't know, it's just kind of an in-between neighborhood from like main parts of, of like West Seattle into the further south. So it's like mm -hmm. some of it's good, some of it's bad, but most of it's like a sketchier area that's currently being gentrified. Anyway, but like back in the day of like middle school, which is where uh, was which is when this happened, I was ignorant, naive of anything bad in the world. And I was wearing a sweater that my grandma had got me. Uh-huh saying like viva la, la raza or something like that with like the virgin mary on the back Aww. and i just thought it was the coolest thing because it like it was a good color it was like mm -hmm. it looked it just looks cool to me back then and i was mm -hmm. wearing it and i'm sitting on the bus going home from school and i was 13 year old 13 years old at the time which is a huge part of the story but i was sitting on the bus and i'm minding my business with like my headphones in listening to music and these two guys come up from behind me, like maybe uh, younger 20s, black guys. Mm -hmm. And they ask me the single question that I will forever regret answering the way I did. Ooh. They asked me if I was 13. Uh-huh. And being 13 year old or 13 years old, I said yes. What I did not know, however, was there was a gang called MS-13 in the area that was just prominent in the area. Mm -hmm. So I said yes, and within a split second, I had a, you know, a fist to my face. Oh my god! Like being beaten up from left, right, and everything. And this is a full bus, I might add. Jeez. No one decided to help me. No one at all. Dang. And it, it's rough out there, man, when you're 13. It is. <laughs> and back then, like, I was not angry or anything at all. I was mostly scared. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I didn't know what was going on. Uh -huh. And still, the very next day after it happened, I had to get back on the same bus and continue it like nothing had ever happened. Jeez. Because my parents didn't have the resources and they, to pick me up every single day. Um, and that's because they were working. It was nothing against them. I love my parents. They did everything right. Mm -hmm. But I had to continue because I had no other option. Yeah. I mean... So I, it, it's not like you you have one negative experience and you know we can't shelter you for the rest of your life this just means like okay next time nick probably shouldn't be talking to sketchy looking dudes on the bus and I tell mean, them that you're 13. i don't even think it, it was that it's just because my, my parents literally could not they had to work they had to do everything my mom was devastated Mm -hmm. My dad was so angry that this had happened, especially on a full bus. No one helped a little kid. Yeah. And that's, that's what ridiculous. got them even more mad. No one would let me use their phone. That's that's I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason why I'm like so attached to my cell phone now because that's the reason why I got one. I was very against them until I had to get one. And now like aside from being, you know, a younger person and always am on my phone, I always had my phone from then on out never was it lost it was always in my pocket in my backpack something because you never know when something's gonna happen back then like i wasn't angry about it and now i am the more and more i tell the story the more i understand like how messed up that was that no one yeah that one really it happened up. no one no one decided to help a little kid that's ridiculous yeah one that it happened in the first place mm -hmm. and two that no one helped and it's one of those things where like there are so many things about me that I'm sure were spawned on that day of like how I act, how I dress, how I do everything that I don't think about. Yeah. 
Because if you looked at like how I acted, how I dressed back then to now, I'm sure part of it's like being more mature. But like outside of that, I don't know. I could, I could have been a completely different person if that hadn't have happened to me. Do you think you try to blend in more with the not minority culture? Oh, 100%. It just blows my mind. Because like, I mean, going back to like, I wore pastels. I do all that stuff. Like for whatever reason, I guess I listen to whiter music. If that is a thing. Yeah, if, if, if that is if that is a thing. And some of it's mainstream, some of it's not. But I'm pretty sure, like, I just try and blend in more. Because as a minority man, I'm viewed as a threat to everyone, apparently. Jeez. I mean, I think in my instance, I've always been a minority. Not in in terms of, like, race, but in terms of just being the one that's been different from the group of people that are the majority. I get like, that. I went, I went to an elementary school that was predominantly black. So still a minority, but in a different pool of minorities. True, yeah. And didn't really get to meet a lot of white people until middle school. And then after middle school and high school, I later went to an East Coast liberal arts college in New England and was, you know, a minority in a different area. But still... It's just, it's just interesting to always be a minority. It, it, it's just weird to be a minority, but it's different from what people think of as the classic minority. Very true. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that goes along with why I wanted to talk about the movie Get Out in the first place, because the entire movie is about a series of exaggerated microaggressions. That's oh, the yeah. whole point. Oh, yeah. Like he's looking over his shoulder. He's doing this. He's doing that because he's just afraid of white people. For some reason, he hesitates when anything is not normal or just seems fishy to him, mm-hmm. which is what we all do. But then it blows, you know, blows up into the whole horror movie aspect. Mm-hmm. But that's something we deal with every day. I think that's why we relate to it so much, you know, because in the first scene, right, when he's walking around and it's dark, people in the audience, my audience, they're like, oh, hell no, you would not catch me doing that. Exactly. I was like... Unless you have someone there, you don't do that. You're like, oh, hell no. And they're like, that car. That car that car like, is going to be bad. Yeah, it's just like, run. You have to run or get out of there right now. Mm-hmm. I wanted to yell for him. I felt so bad. I but felt yeah. so bad. But it's one of those things where people don't get it. People think that's like a funny thing that it happened in such, you know, such exaggeration or that they don't realize why or understand how we feel to the extent that we do. And there are a few select people think that they really understand or that they get it, quote unquote. And that seems to be everyone who's ever seen the movie, they truly understand because you see all these Facebook posts saying how how real it is and how amazing of a movie it was. And it's like, you don't really get it. You're saying you do because you want to advocate like positively, but you don't really do like at all. Who do you think are the people who really get it? If we can have a group that really, quotes, get it. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I've seen some of the people who post shit on Facebook, some of the people I've talked to. I feel like maybe less than five that I know really get it. Some people know that they don't really get it. And I've had conversations with, with them and they know that... When you they probe prob- a little bit deeper. Yeah. They, they they kind of know that they don't get it or that they won't get it and they try to have a conversation about it, but they understand. But I feel like most people really don't. 
there's no way they're going to unless they actually talk about this movie instead of just assuming, oh, this is the greatest movie ever. Like, it talks about so many current and relevant social issues, racial issues, and all, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They are immediately going for it because that's what everyone does nowadays. It's, it's, it's the current thing. It's yeah. like protesting is the new brunching from yeah. whatever, from people. It's like, okay, well, we're very upset by, you know, X, Y, or Z right now. So we're going to go out and protest X, Y, and Z. But sometimes when they're protesting, the thing that they thought they were protesting, there's like other things attached to it, which they have never taken a second to really think about. Something that really comes to mind right now is the Women's March. There is this one post from, I think, I forget where the source was, but it was like this image of these black women holding up this sign uh, that was poignantly addressing white women. It was like, hey, nice white women, we're going to see you at the next Black Lives Matter march, right? Because right now you're saying that you're advocating for us, but outside of this select event, we're not going to see you like at the other places, are we? Oh, I feel that so much. Oh my gosh. But that that that's a whole different topic I would love to talk about and elaborate on, which is a whole different mm-hmm. fiasco. But it's, it's funny because you see those people, but like that post says, you probably won't ever see some of those people at any other rallies or marches and it angers me so much when I see some of my friends mm-hmm. posting about going to the Women's March or going to this march because they feel marginalized. And usually, I mean, normally it's from my white friends. Almost always it is. But then they don't want to go to the Black Lives Matter or like the March for Immigrants or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But yet they're so passionate about the one thing that affects them only because it finally affects them. They finally are feeling how it feels to be marginalized. Yeah. But, but they only they don't... care about that one thing. Exactly. They're not willing to go out and help fellow sisters that have other issues going on. They're yeah, like, they, I'm just going to stick to me. They care about themselves and not anyone else, which is real fucked up. <laughs> And I've tried to, like, have a decent conversation with some of the people who've, who think this way, like, that I know. And I just end up ending the conversation because I just get too pent up mm-hmm. to not just want to, like, punch them for just, not, for just not getting it. And there's no acknowledgement of that ignorance that they will never feel or feel the same way or feel how we feel or in terms of, like, that women's march post, regular white women will not feel how black women feel mm-hmm. and i i just said regular white women there but like they're 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 not necessarily the norm but it makes me so angry to see just like a single-sided voice when they could be doing so much more with it from my perspective if that is the only thing that you're being marginalized on or being wronged or discriminated against that means you have a lot of agency to help out those other people Yes. In those other areas, but you're not using your voice to do that. Exactly. And part of me wants to tell them to suck it up for once. No, I mean, I feel like I'm invalidating their feelings and their emotions to some extent, but they are part of the prominent majority with a voice that's so big if they wanted it to be and are choosing to not do anything with it. Yeah, but they're complacent with where they are. And so they don't see a need to help out the people who are not as fortunate to be at that tier that they're at. Exactly. And I know one of the things that I do want to know is that this is still significant progress from where we were, say, like 10, 20, 30 years ago. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, definitely. It's, it's still a better position. 
but with how things are going with social issues and things like that, is that telling of how we're going to be in the future or is it a progression and we're going to see something more positive later on like is everyone just going to be like this and kind of in the you know mishmash of social issues and you know everyone feels victimized a positive that i can see from this right now is just the fact that because more people are vocalizing and we have technology such as the internet to help us facilitate these ideas it's making everyone much more self-aware or cognizant of the issues that are here but is it really though I think it is. Because I feel uh, I feel like a lot of the people who seem like they're aware, or the one word I hate the most coming from anyone is the word woke. I don't give <laughs> oh, a damn man. if you're woke or if you stay woke. Like, cause half you know the I use that all the time. You're just doing this to be mean to me. No, it's just because you, cause you say it to a point of, you know, I mean, not enjoyment, but like you understand <laughs> the kind of uh, feelings and everything that come behind it but you have people right. who are like advocating strongly for some sort of fight or some sort of voice and everything and they only advocate by putting other people down i see and somehow that's staying woke or being woke or the whole thing like not on a point of like generational differences and millennials and things like that but they are gathering together to propel positive change only by keeping someone else down, which is completely ironic, unfortunately. It's just like, you can't do that. It's just not the way that social issues are going to get solved at all. It's just going to create more animosity between all these groups that are already strained. Exactly. And that's like with a movie like Get Out that just came out and had such an emotional response for a large audience, for the minorities, for everyone like that. Is this going to be causing a schism between those two, you know, populations? Are we going to go down a path of creating differences to try to feel equal or is it really going to bring people together? Basically, I just want to know like if having movies and movements such as like Get Out where we're trying to expose, I guess, the things that are lesser seen. Things that are so, lesser seen. Yeah. Like, is that going to go like, are we going to create more differences? Because you like right now you currently see, you know, minorities arguing that this is like this is the the epitome of what they experience every day but you also have the people who are against this movie saying that they don't understand it that they're completely ignorant but you also have this third population in the middle of the people who say they get it but don't really get it so with with how things are going nowadays people are i feel like people are creating more differences in trying to bring people together so it's kind of it does the complete opposite of what they want it to do but sometimes kind of pushing people away pulls them back together. This is creating conversation between these different groups that may or may not have wanted to talk in the first place. I mean, I guess. And then, I mean, that brings me to like the last point I wanted to talk about is if it does breed conversation, are like people like us, the minorities or any marginalized people are the ones who are in charge of starting that conversation, guiding the conversation, because we're, we're the ones who know things. We know how it feels, know the experiences, everything like that. So then what can we do to spread a positive message that's not bringing other people down? That is really difficult. It is. And I, I mean, coming from me, I feel like that's part of why we started this podcast in the first place. It's just like we're in the middle population. You know, we're part of the minority population. And since we're more educated, we're part of the world that's primarily white. 
or, you know, at least just the people who have more agency or power to change something. Exactly. But by us having, like, talking about this right now, having this podcast, are we technically initiating conversation? Like, this this could I be pointless. I No, I don't think this is pointless. I think we are initiating conversation. If we only reached out to our friends who aren't in this Venn diagram of, like, minority and well-educated and are connected to other circles or other groups. If anything, we are, yes, we're creating that conversation for them that they might not have gotten had they just stayed in that small bubble of theirs. Like, this is this is what we need. We need people that we are also similar with, but also different enough that you have these different viewpoints. You have these different viewpoints, but these people are not so far from you that you wouldn't be able to go out and ask True. Sometimes it's really difficult to understand the viewpoint of a marginalized group just because it's you don't have anyone from that group that you can talk to because you don't have any overlapping circles with them. But the way to start this conversation or to make it more accessible to more people is j- just by talking about it in the first place, regardless of where you are and like the social strata of things. Okay. But then at that point, I have another follow-up question. Oh, man. <laughs> How should we do this? Should we... Should we go down to their level or should they come down to our level? Because I know I just spoke with you a little bit ago about kind of having like that double sort of life. Like when I go to work or go with, you know, a few of my friends who happen to be white, I will speak a little differently, act a little differently. It's still me, but I change myself from originally how I was. I've conformed a little bit, but not really by giving up anything. But like my language is definitely different because I know like right now, especially with how things are, you know, in pop culture, some of that language and some of things like that, like being stupid and saying words like lit or woke or things like that, (laughs) like they're part of what I say, not they just happen to be there because culturally, you know, with songs, music, news, everything like that, they just are ingrained in me. Why? I have no idea. I don't do things on purpose. But I know if I were to say some of that same stuff at work, it'd be, it would be viewed completely differently as, as some sort of like ignorance or like you're joking or you're not taking it, taking it seriously. And should we conform to them to make sure that they understand that they see us more seriously or should they just be more open-minded? It's a two-way street. It is, but unfortunately we're, we're the population, we're the people who are trying to convince some people otherwise. So unfortunately, like in any argument or anything, we have to do a little more to convince them. Yeah. You have to make it palatable for them so that they can even make that first step to yeah. say like, yeah, I want to have a conversation with you. Let's let's have the conversation. And you can't do that being unfortunately too ratchet, quote unquote. Yeah, which is un- stupid because like even regular conversation that I guess is more colloquial for our friend groups, our communities is seen as ratchet for no reason or quote-unquote ratchet, as if though that's been defined to describe all of that, you know, language or that action. Or that culture. Exactly. So we do have to make some sacrifices to to get our point across. Because I, w- I don't want to, and I would, ugh. Part of me sometimes just wants to say fuck it and let them be ignorant and whatever bad things come to them. Don't do that. <laughs> let, them, let them live their life. And especially now, you have people who want to be active, be advocates for something, but they really don't get it. They still don't. 
And now since it's more mainstream to kind of care like that, every other person you meet, every other person you know, sometimes your friends, they're part of that population who truly doesn't get it. I wish they did. I love some of, some of my friends to death, but a lot of them probably don't get it and will not get it anytime soon. But I think it's your responsibility, though, as their friend to call them out. True, but then if someone else was trying to convince me of something random, like, if I don't get it to a point, I'm just going to stop listening. Whether or not it's something serious or not. So how are we going to navigate that road productively to get the point across? Someone's going to have to make a sacrifice. I think both parties need to make a sacrifice. Yeah, but that's thinking idealistically. This is thinking idealistically, but that's the only way I can think, man. So we just have to hope that both parties concede a little bit? Yeah, I hope that both parties can concede a little bit, but it's also one of those situations where there's this video that I saw on YouTube a little while ago about this older white gentleman. He was wondering how he could come to understand a little bit more about Black Lives Matter. And this black woman spoke in a very articulate way, like, hey, if you want to talk to us about it, just come and talk to us about it. But even the way that she presented it would probably be different from the way that she spoke with like her normal friends. Mm -hmm. It was geared towards him, and he, but he was receptive or willing to listen in the first place. Okay, and that, and that I agree with, it, gearing towards the person. Yeah, gearing not, towards the person. Not necessarily a population, that I completely agree with. And I, I, I do think that that's the only way that we can do it. Yeah. I mean, the way that I would talk to you is probably not the same way I would talk to my grandmother. Oh, no way. We always tailor the, the things that we say or the things that we do to the particular situation of the person at that moment in time. True. Yeah, the way that I act around my friends is not the, way, the same way I would act at a business meeting or a conference. Yeah, but, that, but that's just different from, like, everyday life between professional, which is a whole different topic between, like, one population versus another. If I were to talk to my coworkers about some of this, or my friends, or people I see on the street, maybe I'm waiting for the bus or something, and they're right there, and they want to have a conversation, I don't know what I would do. Because I've, I've become way more cynical. <laughs> Because I've been nothing but positive. Normally, I'm the most positive person. I'm the most, you know... I can attest to that. You are very positive. Yeah, I'm, and I have the most hope for people understanding. I give people benefits of the doubt. Like, everything like that. Dang, even after your 13 experience. Yeah, but people have been letting me down left and right. Jeez. And it's getting exhausting to try and care about everyone and changing their minds. And I know it's not my job to, there are going to be some people who say, like, in this fight for, you know, a voice for power, that's not my job. But then whose job is it? Though? Exactly. It is my job. That's what I think. Yeah. If these are the people that you've led into your life and that you actually care about, I think the very least you can do is tell them, like, hey, the things that you're assuming, maybe you shouldn't be assuming them. And it, it might not be your position to teach them the entire history of this or that, but at least steer them towards like the right thought process as to how to get to a more middle ground sort of way of thinking. I mean, we'll see how all of this goes along. Cause I you hope know, it goes well. I mean, well, like both of us, I'm sure, you know, especially living in the professional world, we have a ton of people who are not gonna agree with everything we're saying or they don't know anything about it. They will, they, they are ignorant to everything that's going on around them. 
So I mean, especially how with how we balance our regular lives outside of them, professional lives outside of them, we already have enough of, on our plate as it is. So sometimes it's going to be difficult to be active on it, and which is why I've become more cynical. I've just run out of time. Like it's 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 extremely difficult to balance personal, professional, and then on top, which are on top of that, like the activist in me. I, I like how that's become like a third thing, like personal, professional, and activist. Well, it, it, it kind of has to be. It's just because no one, no one talks politics professionally. That's like taboo still-ish that you're just because it, you know, it soils the professional workplace productivity, which I do get and I, and I still agree with it. But there is a time and a place for everything. Exactly. There is a time and a place. But then our personal lives kind of have to bleed into our activism ways because we don't want to spend our entire lives talking about that. Sometimes I just want to sit and veg out on TV. I don't want to think about anything serious. Sometimes I just want to go have a nice night out with my friends. I don't want to think about anything like that. But then sometimes these activists talk do lead to, you know, other things, like actual good change. Like the thing that I was thinking about while I was watching Get Out with the, that particular audience was in the very beginning, we had trailers that were playing and all the movies that were playing for the next couple months were mostly white people. And so it was very weird to be sitting in that particular audience and looking up at the screen and realizing that none of us related to the people that we saw in television or, you know, in that movie. That's a whole other battle, yeah. like so our like, can of worms. So as much as I would like to veg out and watch TV all day, sometimes it's good to speak up because things that I might be watching on TV might not be entirely reflective of life in general. It and, might be something that's completely different. And I'm not saying that I don't, you know, speak yeah. up or do anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, do we have to have a line? Like, we, you and I have to have to have time to do our own thing and live our own lives outside of politics, outside of... Yeah, I can't correct everyone all the time. Exactly. Part of me wants to stop caring about those people who just don't get it. Like, if you want to be ignorant, go ahead. I've seen so many Facebook posts, so many blog posts, Instagram posts about, you know, how much they get it, how in tune they are with everyone, how they love everyone, Black Lives Matter, go all gay people, same thing like that. Everything that should be more common knowledge and common sense but they don't really walk the walk. They like to say stuff for the public image, for, for the good looks online, or they want to seem like they're victimized too, and you know, I get it because I'm in the same boat. It's like, no, you're not. Understand that you're not in the same boat, and I'll take you more seriously. I know sometimes things in their lives suck. Things in everyone's, everyone's lives suck. But you cannot transfer that over to our experience yeah at that point what i would say would be check your privilege as much as i hate that phrase i hate that phrase so much as, as much as there because like it feels like you're looking down upon someone because you're telling them like hey i'm checking you so you need to check yourself and that's what and that's where it came from and that's why like i've said before we need to somehow figure out a way to garner a voice without putting the other people down Exactly. Because sometimes people legitimately don't know. And that's why I like to give them the benefit of the doubt. It is our job to explain that, to tell them. And unfortunately, I've actually had this conversation with my parents. We're living in a time where those who are trying to make the change, 
at some point kind of have to suck it up. They have to just deal with it a little bit because some people just really don't get it. And yeah, we're not going to get a hundred percent. No, we're not going to get a hundred percent. And I know sometimes when I try and explain things um, and people don't understand, like I said before, part of me just wants to slap them across the face. Like, oh, just, like, like just get it. And they don't realize that they're offending me, which is a whole different thing. Like what's offensive, what's not, but they just, they just don't get it. And I don't know if they ever will. Maybe I'll be a part of that, maybe not. And normally I like to think that even the smallest impact I have on them, on me, you know, if it's me complaining, if it's me trying to explain something to them, whether or not they understand or not, it's hopefully positive. And I don't know if it is. But now, like, lately I've been getting so burnt out on everything, trying to keep up with my regular life and other people. It's just exhausting. It all kind of comes down to this idea that a lot of people are making assumptions that yeah, they shouldn't be making. I agree. To be honest. From, from both ends. From both ends. The people in power are assuming something about the people that are not in power and vice versa. In my opinion, since we can't actively police everyone all the time, if those assumptions are actively causing negative effect to a group of people, then we should like then we should address them immediately. But if mm-hmm. there is an assumption that is not currently outright causing harm to that group, maybe that's something that we tackled, you know, later down the line. Yeah. Let's tackle all the ones that are actively hurting people first and then triage the other ones for later. I see that. I agree. Snaps snaps okay i mean that's basically everything that was on my mind today in terms of talking about this and i'm sure things will come up you know later on we live this day to day and i hope that people i know if they do listen to this or if they don't you know or even in my day-to-day life that they not only have the initiative to talk to me or talk to anybody about this but like on top of that not only courage to because I will you know acknowledge that sometimes you know talking about these things are scary they don't want to seem like they're stupid they're ignorant it's uncomfortable for everyone someone's gonna have to you know break that silence and it's okay to be uncomfortable and as long as you know people like us are not judgmental towards them they'll be more open yeah I'm grateful that you want to know more about this yeah by all means yeah I Please tell me what your assumptions are. And I will try and be not as abrasive when I answer you, but know like I'm very grateful because I know so like so, sometimes with my friends, they'll say something and I'll be like, can you stop being an idiot? Like, please. And they understand that just because I say that because I'm friends with them. But other people, sometimes you need to be a little bit more abrasive and aggressive for them to get why it's so offensive. And sometimes you don't. I Like we just discussed before, you cater it to the person. But like, honestly, I feel like it'd be the most amazing thing if some white guy came up to me randomly on the street and asked me a, like or posed a question about like racial differences and racial inequality. Like, I'll see what I can do, but I will gladly have a conversation with you. Wow. Just ask. In a non-pointed way. In a non-pointed which is the whole, way, yeah, because which you is the will whole feel point. awkward, but I will also feel awkward when I have to try and correct you, and I don't know how to do it in a very eloquent way. Yeah. No, no one wants to have to deal with that awkwardness. Yeah, I think that's all we have for today, right? I think so, too. Got okay. some venting across. I think I feel a little bit, a little bit better. 
a little bit better. Well, we did get to talk about Get Out, which was a great movie. You know, we, it's 99% we did. fresh. Duh. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go see it again sometime, eventually. Yeah. I think I'm going to wait for some time to pass because it's still really fresh on my mind. But the next time I'll go see it, it'll probably be like, I don't know, two or three years from now. And then I'm going to watch it and be like, this is the greatest movie ever. True. Again. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. But I know, like, I saw it the first time, and I felt more as, like, part of the audience. I'm like, oh, shit. I feel, I understand that. I understand that. I felt like I was a part of the movie. Now this next time, I want to, like, actually analyze it a little bit more. Instead of just having, you know, going around telling people that this is the greatest movie ever. Because it embodies so many, like, real traits. I don't want to do that. I want to be able to explain and tell people why this is a good movie. Which I'm sure I can to some extent. But part of me is just going to end the conversation with just like, you know what? You have to go see it. Please go see it. Uh, Which is not as productive, but it is productive. Thank you everyone for tuning in to today's episode. Please follow us on SoundCloud or wherever you were able to get our podcast from. If you have any suggestions for future topics or you had a comment that you wanted to make about today's podcast, please email or tweet us at WHHWpod. Please also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. Just for more updates so you know you don't miss an episode. Because who would want to miss Maggie and I talking so eloquently about our lives? All right, we'll see you guys next time. See ya.